If you would this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now, I don't know, again, you know, how long you've been with us this year in our services, but you have to know sort of going in that we actually have been reading and coming in our sermons from the Old Testament all year. So, so really, every sermon you go back, it's going to be from some Old Testament passage. Now, you know, I thought at first when, we, when I decided to do this uh, at the beginning of the year, I thought this would be easy, you know. But at t- some Sundays, it's actually a little difficult. Um, but here, when we get into Deuteronomy, this is such a powerful, powerful book uh, that it really ought to be read by you. Uh, but even today, we're going to look at just a short passage from these, these words here that are uh, written in Deuteronomy. But I would encourage you, greatly encourage you, to actually go and read this book for yourself. This is a powerful, powerful Old Testament book, and, uh, and one that you actually won't get bored with. Um, and so, notice these words in chapter 30, and we're going to pick up reading in verse 11. Notice here. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea, that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have said before you today, life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But, if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice, and holding fast to Him. For He is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to them. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your holy Word. Holy Spirit, would You apply this word to us today to make us holy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In life, there are things that you want to remember, and sometimes there are things that you don't want to remember. Uh, Sort of like daylight savings uh, ended at 2 a.m. this morning. You never saw an email from the church reminding you of that because I was hoping that someone would accidentally show up early for once. Uh, You know, an hour early for church, ready to go, ready to worship. I mean, this is really the wrong day to be late to church. You get an extra hour, right? 
No, it's uh, some things, you know, I, I purposely don't want to remember because, well, you know, it, it uh, either is a bad thought or it's a bad experience or uh, people don't need to know. However, other things we want to remember. We, we mark them on our calendars. We continually remember them year after year, such as birthdays. Birthdays are a big thing. That was when you were born. Anniversaries. This is maybe even a more important one once you get married. Uh, and I always kind of get, get uh, sweaty and, and hot when I think I've missed something all of a sudden, you know. Oh, wow. No, it is the 30th. Yes, that's correct. So I'm trying to keep these certain days in my, in my calendar, in my life, to remember them. And in the Bible, there is a large quantity of it given to remembrance. I mean, even here we have it etched into this table, do this in remembrance of me. Remembering is something important to do and that Deuteronomy in particular is going to call us to. You see, Deuteronomy literally is second law. If you were to actually talk about what Deuteronomy, the name Deuteronomy means, because you probably haven't used Deuteronomy in your normal vocabulary anytime recently. But it actually means second law because... The law is given twice in the first five books of the Bible. The Ten Commandments in particular, but also the covenant is given twice. And it's actually to two different generations. In Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments are laid out. Now in Deuteronomy 5, the Ten Commandments are laid out. But it's not just a restatement. This is a book of remembrance. So, you've already had one generation of people who had the covenant, who had the law, who had the promises, who rejected God and subsequently wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. The Bible tells us the entire generation died. Now a new generation came about. Now they're at the Jordan, again, where their their fathers and mothers literally were. And now Moses, this 120-year-old leader, Deuteronomy is the last one that he writes is now addressing them saying, okay, I want you to remember, he spends about the first five chapters of the book telling them to remember all that God has done in the past. He then says, now here's your situation, is you now have an opportunity to choose life or choose death. In other words, either go in and take the land by faith, even though you look like grasshoppers compared to them, Your parents said no, and look what happened to them. Now what are you going to do? Are you going to cross the Jordan and go and take the land, or disobey and wander again in the wilderness? And of course we know that they actually did take the land. Um, There were actually two that survived that generational death, which was Joshua and Caleb. Joshua being the next leader uh, in succession of Moses. And so Deuteronomy, just this powerful book, when you come to the end, these are some of the last... Where we find ourselves in chapter 30 are some of the last words of this 120-year-old leader of uh, of the children of Israel who is Moses. And so normally at the end of somebody's life, they are going to tell you, especially if they know they're going to die, which he did. Remember, he was not allowed to go into the land because of his disobedience. So he could only see it from afar. And God says, okay, your time's up. You're going to come up and, uh, and you're going to pass away. So these are his last words. And what he tells us here is very powerful because he's getting us to look at 
the past, the present, and the future, and to remember. To remember. So, remembering, however, is not just reminiscing. This is a short sermon, so you have to stay with me. I'm going to go fast. Uh, It's not just reminiscing. You know, reminiscing just, oh yeah, bringing up ideas from the past, kind of feel a little nostalgic, you know. Oh yeah, that's some good, good old days. You know, that was back in the good old... That's not what the Bible's calling you to when it calls you to remember the past. It calls you to remember the actions of the past and how they actually affected things that happened for those people in the future. How it actually played out. In other words, they did something here and it resulted in this. A very cause and effect kind of relationship with the past. Which is why history is actually something that is biblical. You see, the ancient people in the ancient Near East, they they never wrote history. They had annals. They had chronicles. And this is not a lesson in history, but a historiography. But I will say this, in short, and that is, in order for it to be history, it's not just listing of dates and times. You, you've never actually picked up a history book that just simply had that, because that's not history. History is an evaluation of the cause-effect relationships that make those events possible. It's someone looking back and saying, you know what, Nazi Germany, they didn't start out like that. But they ended like that, so what happened? Let's track that out. Listing of dates would be scratching the head saying, I don't know how they got there. History is saying it's an evaluation. That kind of idea is a biblical idea. Which is why, by the way, in our modern world, when you rip the biblical foundation out from underneath history, all you now have is feelings and nothing else. Which is why history literally is eroding before us and people are changing it and doing all kinds of things with it. That's why. Same thing with science. We've talked about that before. When you remove the biblical foundation to it, everything starts crumbling back into, ultimately, paganism. Worship of nature. Nature's it. There's nothing more. And the Bible is diametrically opposed to that kind of thinking. No, remembering is not just reminiscing. So one day, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm teaching, and I say to my students, you know, many of you may spend way too much time watching the tube. And somebody raised their hand immediately and says, what, what's a tube? And I'm like, ooh, Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry that I grew up in the 20th century, you know, and we had tubes and not LCD screens everywhere. Uh, if you think about it, you can't really, I don't even know if you can buy a tube anymore. Maybe you can, but, but that's the thing of the past. That's not the kind of remembering we're talking about, just to remember stuff from the past. What we're supposed to do is remember so that it informs us now. That's why we read the Old Testament, is because we find ourselves in these pages. We find our friends in these pages. We find out situationally how we are to respond to people, how things go awry, how things go good. Really, the rest of the Old Testament, to give you a little hint interpretively, is based off of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy sets up this thing, really, where you have retribution theology, which is if you do this, this is going to happen. If you do that, this is going to happen. If you notice how he gives a conditional clause to the covenant, if you obey, etc., etc., etc. But if you don't obey, etc., 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 this is going to be the schema the rest of the Bible. 
the rest of the Old Testament in particular, almost as if on the anvil of life, they're proving that when they obeyed, there was blessing. And when they disobeyed, there was cursing. And you know what, my friends? Just because we live in the modern world, just because of Jesus, just because of His death and resurrection, all the good news, does not mean that Deuteronomy isn't still true for you. What you do, what you hammer out in your life is going to be based on what it is you actually do. You see, there's a good old aphorism that is actually true, and that is the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Good intentions are not enough to sustain a marriage. They're not enough to sustain friendship. There's got to be forgiveness in all relationships, or you're going to find very quickly they're going to end quick. If you're finding that relationships end quick in your life, maybe there's not enough forgiveness. In the Bible, forgiveness is a big thing because even in our relationship with God, we're the one that's always messing up. We're the one going astray, choosing these other gods. And so, Deuteronomy is going to do really three things well in the, in the book that we should do well in our own life. They're these three. Look back. Look back at your life. Look back at where God has brought you. No matter your age today, He has blessed you with people around you. He's blessed you with material things. He's blessed you with the body you have, with the life you have, with the knowledge, the gifts, on and on. He did that. Because here's how I know that. All good things come from above. That's what the Bible says. And when we live our life as if we have done it all, we are only setting up ourselves as God. Which is ultimately what our first parents did. Eve and Adam took the fruit saying, I know more than God. He told us this, but I've got new information now. And don't we have a lot of new information pumping into our lives on social media, all the way to news, to your cell phone, to push notifications? You name it, there's information flow all over the place, which is why we're calling this age, you know, the age of the, the digital age. It's pumping in everywhere. And yet, are we smarter for it? Are we better for it? Sometimes we need to push back, cut it off. Stop it, the inflow, in order to hear reality. When's the last time you actually picked up your Bible and began to study a book like Deuteronomy? Just simply asking, you say, well, I can't get to all that background stuff that you don't have to. Here's the beautiful thing about the Bible. You don't have to be a genius to read it. It was made for non-geniuses like myself. If you want help in studying, I would love to help. But you have to go to God and say to Him, speak to me through these words. I don't know all what's going on. And even though you don't know, I promise you He will speak to you. Amen. You'll find yourself here. You'll be saying, hey, that actually relates to what I'm going through. But you must make a diet of this Word. Look back to here, to the Bible. This is where the source of life comes from. This is where the good news comes from. This is how we know we have the right Jesus. This is how we know we have the right God. Many gods are worshipped today. Intentions are not good enough. Even thinking in your head is not good enough. You say, oh yeah, well I actually 
believe in the right Jesus. I believe in the good news. And this If you don't do it, the Bible says cursings. It doesn't say here, notice, if you think well of the land and think well of God, if you think good thoughts, just think good vibes. I've seen that on Facebook. I don't even know what that means. Sending good vibes your way. Is that paganism? Because it sounds very continuity-esque. Um, no, we don't believe in vibes in nature. We believe in nature's God. Who's not just a vibe. He's a person. He's a person that you can know and talk to and relate to and love. He's Jesus. In Deuteronomy, there are three words for action. Well, there's not just three words. I'm going to give you three things of action here based on some words that are in Deuteronomy. Notice this. The term here is mentioned 50 times in Deuteronomy. That's quite a bit. You know, when you're, when you're trying to interpret the Bible, one of the things you want to look for is repetition. Just like if, if I'm in a, a conversation with you and you keep repeating the same thing, I'm going to say to myself, well, he probably wants me to remember that. Jessica will repeat things because she wants me to remember and she knows one time is not enough for some reason. Well, God knows the same thing about us, doesn't He? So He repeats this term, Hear, O Israel. Hear and do this. And this term here, I've said this before, I'll say it again, is, is not just listen. It's listen and do. You know, when, when, when Justin and I were children, we, we liked video games. Interestingly, we still do, but nonetheless, that's a different point. We liked video games a lot. We played Super Mario Brothers. And my dad would go somewhere, you know, to the store or whatever, to run an errand. He'd say, hey, when I get back, I want the dishes washed and I want the clothes folded and put up. Okay, we got this. We got it. We, we got you. We hear you. He leaves the house. All of a sudden, we hear the garage coming up. Nothing's done. We start scrambling. We get in trouble. Here's what he comes in and says. Did you not hear me? Have you said that to your children? I say it quite often. I repeat it quite often. Did you not hear me? Why do, we, why do we say that? Of course they heard us. The follicles in their ear were vibrating. It went through their brain, but they didn't do it. Therefore we say, you must not have heard me. Because if you hear me, you're going to do it. The Bible assumes the same thing. If we hear it, then we must do it. It cannot stop just between our ears. It must work its way down into our heart. It must work its way into our hands. There's a process here. It's got to be the hands. It's got to be do it. Love is something we do, not just something we feel. Not just something we think. Forgiveness is something we do, not just something we think or we feel. Compassion. It's something we do. It's not just some gushy feeling that we hope we have. Even if you don't feel compassion, have compassion. Even when you don't feel like loving, love. What you'll find is the Spirit will meet you and help you to love even when you don't want to. We don't always want to love our neighbor. We don't always want to love our spouse. We don't always want to forgive people. We would rather sulk and, and, and put the blame on others. We love to do that. Everybody likes to do that. But the Bible says, no, you must forgive. There's Jesus, isn't He? The greatest example of all the best human to ever live on the cross dying. His feelings are of abandonment. 
His feelings are of loneliness. He even tells us that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet, what are the words that come out of his mouth? Feelings going this way, action doing this, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There's a story of Amy Carmichael, a missionary to India, that worked on the slave trade in India before it was popular. She worked with orphan girls who were taken into the temple and made prostitutes. This is a common thing in the ancient world, but it is also a common thing in India. And these little girls from the earliest of ages would be made into sex slaves. She went and actually rescued them. Very dangerous job for One day, she was attacked and she herself was raped. Now, this was a lady that took a vow of celibacy. A nun. Never to have sex in her life, to be pure for Christ only. And now she was being defiled by these men who were raping her. And she was crying out to God and even after the event was praying because she was deeply troubled that she had been defiled. She said she saw this vision of Jesus under a terebinth tree. And He said to her as He was crying, as He was crying with her, He said to her, they weren't just raping you. They were doing it to me. It's nothing against you. It's against me. Isn't all evil, all violence, all the atrocities in our world, they're not actually against just humanity. Against the whole world that God created. Everything that God stands for. The enemy hates God. And the best way he knows to get to God's heart is us. And he will do everything to destroy us, to weaken us, to swallow us up in death. But thanks be to God for people like Amy who are willing to accept God's forgiveness, willing to forgive even those men who did that to her. Folks, I'm not there yet. That's a powerful kind of forgiveness. Our knee-jerk reaction is retribution. It's Deuteronomy. But God says, no, leave Deuteronomy to me. Vengeance is mine. I will repay them. For all the stories that never get told, for all the voices that are never heard, He hears them. And one day, He's going to bring a sword of judgment that no one will escape. But those who are born of the blood of His Son, Jesus, the Lamb that was slain in our place. You will be slain if you do not allow Him to be slain. Just as in Amy Carmichael's story, it's Jesus. He's always the answer. It's not just a cliche. He's the one we remember today. He's the one who can change us. He's the one we must go to. You say, what I need to do to obey, go to Him. If we can worship properly then He'll call us to a work. But we have to have an experience of God first before we can share 
Many of us try to get into the work side, the sharing part, before we have the experience of God. Seek God's face today. You can do all kind of good work for the church and good work for humanity, but if you don't seek His face, you're going to come to the same fate as those who do not believe. Deuteronomy says, do, keep, observe, 177 times. 21 times it says, do all of this out of a heart of love. So it is a book of action, but it must come from a heart of love. Not an embittered heart, not one that's trying to work our way to God, but one that is a direct result of, I love my neighbor, that's why I do this. best way to actually get to that point is to do it even when you don't love your neighbor. That's where grace comes into play. You see, we remember in order to act. But for some of us this morning, it kind of reminds me of the sign I saw coming to church which said, Heal blocks view. We want to see God. We want to know God. But we have a hill in our life, a mountain in our life, whatever that may mean for you, that blocks us. We can't see past this gigantic Everest in order to do anything. We're stymied. We're on pause. I want you to know today that if you choose life this morning, He can take you over that mountain. When you're on the mountain, you'll be able to see back. You'll see life in a whole different way rather than in the valley. But you've got to choose Him. I mean, they were up against a mountain, weren't they? They were going to a land that was going to destroy them more than likely. A little ragtag group of people. They chose life. And even to this day, you turn on the news and that land, Israel, is going to be mentioned. And the Jews are right there in the midst of it. Why? Because they chose life and not death. God even says here, pleading with them through Moses, choose life so that you might live. You see, in a a congregation like this, there's so many people in so many different situations. He knows them all. I don't. I don't know your next step. I wish that like that was my job was God would give me a little piece of paper. I'd be like, oh yeah, I got, I got your next step. I'll email it to you. It's not the way it works. You must go to God because this is a relationship with God. With Jesus Himself. And when you get that word from Him, when you finally hear that inner voice of the Spirit, there's nothing like that. No one can take that away from you. But the only way that's going to come is not through some cheap relationship with God, but through one grounded in your life. You see, this thing of obedience, this thing of the Christian life, is a way of life. We want it to be quick. Oh God, give me a, give me a word real quick. I need the next step. Oh, oh okay, never mind. I'll just go my own way. That's not the way it works. This is a relationship. Over and over again. Every single day you submit yourself to God. You submit yourself to His Word. You submit yourself to prayer. Notice what he says there. He goes, look, this is not too hard for you. It's right 
here. It's not across the sea. It's not way up in heaven. It's right in your, notice, mouth. What does he mean by that? Prayer. Amen. You pray, big things are going to happen. Because the biggest being in our world, God, will act. He promises to meet us when we pray. So as we enter into a prayer time, even this morning, will you remember Him and let Him grow a garden in your life? Or will you continue to go your own way and reject Him and go back into the desert? There's really only two ways this morning. Choose life so that you might live and be blessed so that you can be a blessing to others, a light to all nations. Amen.